Hey everybody, welcome back to the Husky Fan Podcast. Here to wrap up the dogs' big win over the Cow Bears and preview their coming game against Oregon State this week and maybe comment on a few other things or maybe not. Big JC, brother, how you doing today? Hey, nothing like talking dog football, buddy. It is uh, rip-roaring times if you're a dog fan, let me tell you what. But, hey, you know what, though, Chest? We predicted Cal to win this game, and both of us were absolutely incorrect. Though, UW did their darndest to prove us right, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah, with that said, we did say if UW were to win the game, it would probably be really, really close and really tight which we were right about that, although that should not have been the case given the way the game started out. Um, No, (laughs) Uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously everyone liked what they saw, at least in the first half, right? Um, But when you come back in the second half and you have a total of 62 yards of offense, uh, I don't recall what the yardage was in the first half, but it had to have been... Over 200 yards, obviously. I think they finished with over 300 yards of offense, if I recall. Yeah, it was well over 200 in the first half. Yeah, so um, you're talking about you did 300-plus, but 62 of it were in the last two quarters. Ooh. And, you know, what did we talk about? The run. And then, obviously, UW needed to score to win. you got to have more points to win the game, of course. But, you know, we, we, we talked about them being able to stop the run. And UW didn't do a great job of that. But we saw a guy step up defensively that obviously came up huge, and that was Kyler Gordon. I mean, think about the game he had and the impact overall uh, in this game. It's huge. Yeah, and just think about if we knew – we would be missing McDuffie and Kate on if we if you knew that before the game. How, how would your confidence have declined, given uh, given that fact going into the game? If you were aware of that, you would you would just think they're cooked, right? You would think this uh, put a fork in it, they're cooked, right? I mean that's or put a bear claw in it. Put a put a bear claw in it. That's when we right. play ASU, you could use the fork analogy. That's right, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you if you told me those two things, you, you would not feel good about your chances at all. And hey, how about my boy Devin Culp? I mean, that was one of my uh, preseason all stars, and I think Sub K was on the same uh, thought process as I was in that respect. And uh, he stepped up when he was called upon. I mean, that was another guy who came up huge in this game. I mean, he was crucial in this victory. Yeah, no shout out to you for that, and 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 I'm happy to see that because he's had a tough start to his career i mean he's had some noticeably bad plays just the first you know he hasn't played a lot of snaps but just starting out and then the week before of course he was wide open and just had a terrible drop of a sure touchdown so it was great to see him come back i mean if we don't have devin culp that game i mean we lose that game probably i mean and if you think back to his career, remember that fourth down play where he snuck out, had had the cat. I, I I don't remember what game it was. Utah game. Yeah, it was Utah. Right, thank you. But remember that too. He was like by himself and just stone cold dropped the ball. So yeah, you if you were 
paying attention to his early part of his Utah career, you probably didn't have a lot of high hopes. And his performance against Cal was something to behold, really. I mean, he had a really good game. Yeah, and I think, you know, to to beat my own chest, one thing I said on our last pod is if this team is going to improve, and, you know, I don't think – we know they're not good enough to contend for a conference title. I mean, I'm so – I'm sorry, the, the optimistic fans will get angry hearing me say that, but if this team is going to really challenge to get to seven or eight wins, it, you have to see a guy like that every game uh, just uh, showing out like that or flashing. I mean, it was Jalen McMillan the second game. It was Culp last week. I mean, Kyler Gordon to a similar degree. Uh, I mean, we already had high expectations for Gordon, right? Yeah, but I mean – I. It, Fatui Tuatele now has two sacks in the last two games. So he remember he was a pretty big recruit. Uh, I, I think he's starting to he's starting to come along. I mean, two sacks in the last two games. I think this year he's 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 playing better. If you're just watching, uh, you know him going against offensive linemen. So that's a guy with a lot of talent. I think we can expect more good things from. But yeah, I mean, just the young talent on this roster. You know, Danny Hammer has got to be, he's got to be the next guy on that defense. Like, if he can come along and be a factor, that'll really help the defense quite a bit. I want to know, Chess, was it you who made a call into John Don to sit Dick Newton for this game? (laughs) I, I know the report was later that he was an emergency back and he was hurt. But, uh, did, could you tell the difference? Could you tell the difference without Newt? I, you know, look, if you're going to play big time college football, we're going to be critical. And we're yes. going to talk about the game. But, uh, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's, what did, what did we see out of the run game that, uh, maybe gave you a little bit of hope that, uh, some other guys will get some touches. What we saw is that I'm sorry, but if, if the Dick Newton from the first two weeks, plays against Cal and has a significant number of snaps, we don't win that game. Yep. I'm sorry, but he's just the worst option. And even Pleasant has now looked decent. Uh, I mean, Pleasant, I think he had a... Runs hard. He had a pretty big run there, the play before Sean McGrew scored in overtime. Was it a a pass? Yeah, it was a pass. Yeah, so, and Pleasant's a really good block. So even he is looking better. Uh, than Newton and do you, think, do you think if those guys maybe got more run they they don't lose to Montana? Yeah, uh, I yeah I honestly think so because I, I, think, I think so too. <laughs> uh, but not, also I think it's clear that the team was completely was not ready whatsoever. Yeah, and but I will say this about you know I'm not trying to say we shouldn't have. Uh, we shouldn't have beat Montana anyway, but if we're looking at the Sagarin rankings, uh, Montana is like in the seventies now. Um, so it, 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 look, it was a horrific loss. We're, I don't think this coaching regime is ever going to overcome that to be honest, (laughs) but, uh, it's, you know, we could have, we could have, uh, it, it was it was a bit unlucky that we played a team that's you know not a total pushover. But but with that said, I mean 
we don't need to go into that. But no, I I well, brought I brought up that point a couple of weeks ago. Like if Newton doesn't play against Montana, you know, I think we could win that game. And the thing of it is, Jess, is that the casual fan or even the, the avid fan is not going to understand some of the metrics that, that go into Montana and the and the, the quality of the team they might be. And again, we're not making excuses for the loss. But if if you take a little deeper dive, it's not like they were like and they were just a pitiful team. It's not like Montana was just like a pathetic football team in that game. Yeah, but I mean the loss is still pathetic because if you're three and one, given how the season has started, you feel so much better. Oh yeah, no, it just it puts just it puts it mars the season and the 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 excitement and the. You know, looking forward to the anticipation of future games. It just, it just, yeah, it just destroyed the season before it even started. Yes, that's, that's, but you know, one one thing I will say this: like with the offense and the whole run game, there's something that's really wrong with the offense, and I mean, it has been for several years. But I, I didn't retweet this yet. But there was an image. I think it was from PFF, and it was showing offensive line performance based on how well they're protecting and how many yards like running backs are getting before they get their first touch by the defense. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that graph, like our offensive line based on those stats, like we're probably in the bottom 20% of the entire nation. And that's just, given how we've recruited the line, that's yeah. just completely, that's completely unacceptable. So I, you know, uh, Scott Huff has to answer for that, but honest, I, I mean, it's the entire, it's the entire, uh, it's the entire offense. I mean, it's a systemic problem because all the like, we said it. Newton looks so much worse than he did two years ago. You know, Davis look, he doesn't look as good as he did on his first two carries. I mean, no. Pleasant played better the last, uh, the last game. I mean, he's looking better, but th- there's a systemic issue going on with the uh with the offense and, and the offensive line and the running backs that's well, Morris though too I mean he struggled yes, yes. looking off his first read I, I mean he, he if it if it doesn't look good on where he wants to go he's scrambling now I mean it it feels like that he has regressed in some ways from what we saw out of him last year I mean we came into this year thinking he was going to build upon what we saw last year, and right, we we missed that, or he missed his, a number of those deep balls, which we felt obviously he could improve upon uh, as he you know grew into the program. But I mean, there there's issues at quarterback too. I, I mean, there's, yes, no, the, there's well, people it, clamoring to give Hewitt a, an opportunity. Well, that, that goes to what I'm saying. I mean, there's systemic issues. Yep. I mean, Mo- Morris has regressed, and. It's just unfortunate because I don't I don't think he has he has to be a great quarterback for this to be a good team this year. But if he was just a good quarterback or what we thought he would be, we would be a good team this year. I mean, we could throw the ball on almost everybody and uh, have a legitimate passing offense. Yes, because what the one one statistic we're doing well in is. Uh, ten yard passes. We're leading the conference in ten yard passes. And, and Taj Davis is another guy that stepped up with with who, guys that we already expected be good. 
with McMillan and Udunze. Yeah, Rome had a nice game. I mean, you're <laughs> Devin Culp. Uh, yep. you know, Mark Redman. I mean, he played, he played a few snaps, but he, he was a big time recruit. He's going to be a really good tight end probably next year or the year after. So this passing offense is really set up to be the strength of the team going forward. And I mean, not to get too off track, but I mean, it, they're, we're going to win enough games this year where Jimmy's not going to be fired. Um, I think, I think it's going to be close. Like we already, you know, I, I said, I think Jimmy will be retained. I, I think, I mean, if we, we could go through the schedule, but I mean, <laughs> this is not going to be an easy game. Right. No, I, yeah, I, but I, I just mean, right. I just it, mean at this point, it's, uh, it's unlike it. It's unlikely he's, you know, what they're going to do financially, what they should do. Because, I mean, who knows if Cohen doesn't have a clue. But what they need to do is they need to go to, they need to do what USC did to Clay Helton like two or three years ago and basically say, instead of firing you, you're going to have to make massive changes to your staff. I mean, bring in, go find the best offensive coordinator you can find, sign him to a two year contract, pay him a million dollars. What? I think Huff has to, has to move on. Yeah, I probably. I, I well, I think Boner too. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't yeah. do anything. I mean, the well, running I, backs I, are not progressing. Look, the 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 whole offensive staff probably just has to go. I will say, Junior Adams. I mean, his, his recruiting. I mean, they hopefully they need to get rid of Donovan and just let him call the offense, which he, <laughs> he has called plays before, and he has recruited. Yeah, he, 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 you can make a case for he has re, he has recruited these wide receivers and sure. and he hey Cooper Cup he coached Cooper Cup who is like wide receiver number one in the NFL right. I yeah I just think that Adams is probably it's more so him being a casualty of the systemic problems with the offense yes that that's a good way to put it yeah he wouldn't be a casualty right I don't. I don't think we can point to him as a big problem with this offense. I mean, we it's clear as day where the issues are, right? Um, it's yeah, it's and, top down, it's systemic. I mean, you they need to. I, don't you agree with me? They need to bring in an offensive yeah. coordinator, let him keep whoever he wants, or pick his staff and be, pay him a million dollars. Oh, of course, one hundred percent. Yes, do do those things. All of those things, um, and they and they have to, you know, they need to be putting feelers out now. That's why Donovan has to be fired ASAP, you know, because we can't end up with another limp dick hire like we had that that has already sunk this program to some degree. Well, and it comes to, you know, that's going to be a recru- recruiting uh, component. You know, run the damn ball is probably going to be that hat's probably going to be thrown in the garbage. <laughs> now it's past the damn ball. Yeah, it, J- Jimmy, I tweeted I tweeted this out a couple days ago, and I guess because I have a little bit of an ego, I see people they probably lifted it for me. But shout out to Wilbur because I, I know other people tweeted this after I did, and they're getting more likes than me. <clears throat> it shows <laughs> you what I spend my time caring about. But anyway. Uh, you can get all this stuff on cfbstats.com. We mentioned a week ago, Jimmy, there were only two teams in the FBS who ha- who did not have a run 
of 20 yards or more. Now we're the o- now we're the only team that's in, incredible out of 130 that has not had a run of at least 20 yards. How how is that? How is it humanly possible, especially against Arkansas State? That that is truly hard to believe. <laughs> in all of these games they've not had a 20 yard run. That is that is not good. That's a bad stat. Yeah, it's a systemic thing. And I'm not I'm not trying to throw shade at Jimmy Lake because I I personally like him. You know, I I hope uh I hope I he like can too. Yeah, I, I hope he can turn this thing around, but like have you ever seen a coach that their philosophy, their initial philosophy turned out to be just massively wrong. Like, (laughs) not even like, oh, this was a little wrong. It's like completely, just like totally way off. Like, not even close. It should have been obvious. You know, the last two games of last year. Right. You know, you had to run the damn ball in that off. You were down 21 points in the first half. You know, six of the eight games you've played, you've not scored a touchdown uh, in one half of those games. So shout out to uh, Danielle for that stat. And think about this. You you want to run the damn ball, and you're like running like two running plays. You're like running right of the center and left of the center for your run game. And you're just getting blown up. And you're going for a yard or two yards. Like, what, what was the yards per carry for like the first two games? I mean, Michigan just teed off on us. Less than three. I mean, holy shit. Could you imagine your whole philosophy being the run the damn ball and you're averaging under three yards a run? The the Michigan game was similar to the Stanford and uh, yes. U- Utah games, except Michigan was able to – they didn't have to pass the entire time. The dude threw for 43 yards. You know, we got we got behind by twenty one points, and that's when we started throwing the ball and actually moving the ball. <laughs> like, hey, maybe we should. You know, we're going to attempt to get back into this game, so we're going to start throwing the ball. Uh, I mean, it is pretty. Speed. There's no words. Like, it's when you think of through it, and you go through all of this. And you break it down, it's like there's like no words for it. And why why us? Why does this have to be us? Can't we just have a functional offense in 2021 in college football? Like if you don't have a functional offense in college football, like you might as well just pack it in. Like what are you, what are you even doing? Yeah. Well, one positive thing for Morris is he didn't throw any interceptions. Yeah. So I think that was one positive. I don't know. His line wasn't that bad. Like, if you look at his line, I think he was 19 for 32, something like that. Mm. So he wasn't that. But still, it's like. Not stellar. He was still leaving a lot on the field. Like, there were some plays where he was just missing guys. Well, yeah, and I and I think there's there's issues around his progressions. I mean, obviously, there's no way to know. We're not in the film room. We don't know what's what is supposed to be yeah, the play, it, and blah blah blah. It, but I mean, there's just like you said, there's something wrong. Is it because he has happy feet now and he doesn't trust the protection? 
certainly could be the case. I, I mean, how much, how much can they, so now what are, what kind of offense are we doing now? Like a more spread passing offense. I mean, I don't, I'm not a football nerd, so I don't follow the I mean, intricacies of the game. Trying to push the ball downfield. Um, trying to find, obviously, lanes where guys can make plays. I mean, McMillan yeah. had some big grabs, and obviously Culp. I mean, what did Culp have, five for 81? Something like that. Yeah, I mean. And a, cu- a couple of those were not easy catches, and it was a good thing he held on, too. He didn't have any drops. No, no drops. Unfortunately... Oh. You know, like, I want to go back. We weren't quite good enough to break the game open. Like, I think we had first and goal from the 9 or 10-yard line when it was, what was it, 21-10 in the second half. Like, I mean, we just, we just like, because I tweeted, like, this is a chance to break it open. And I, was, I wasn't confident we were. Out of this offense. Sorry, can you repeat that? We have seen so much red zone issues with this offense even into Pete's era well actually that actually red zone that was one red zone fail other than that we've actually been really good most of the year but the the problem with it's just even in the second half like how we've been good most of the year we've hardly scored any points well i mean we've only played 3 games and it, well we've been good because we haven't been in the red zone that much so it hasn't <laughs> cost us that that much but if yeah. you, if you look at the Cal game, that was the only mess up. You know, the other times we got in the, the well, the problem was we did have three drives. I think inside the Cal forty in the second half where we didn't get anything, and that's what's frustrating. Our defense missing McDuffie, our, the defense was holding up well enough where all we had to do was just score one touchdown in the second half, and the you know the game's over. Or even yes. if even if Henry is able to make that, he just missed it by a cunt hair. But even if he makes that, you know, we're still in really good shape with a ten point lead in the fourth quarter. But it's just the offense just doesn't quite. It just didn't quite have enough to, you know, control the game all the way through. Yeah, I mean, you only had sixty two yards in the second half. Yeah, I, I mean, you only needed to have like a hundred or a hundred and fifty, and we would have been sure. fine. And so I, I don't know. I mean, do you have any hope that the offense can get a little bit better or, or progress? I mean, what's the, the line's got to get better, right? I mean, they've got to find a functional run game. You got to get a, a few explosive plays out of the run game. Yeah. I mean, th- th- for the town, ta- you, you can't produce a one twenty yard run. <laughs> what? I mean, you might as well just forget about, I mean, that is just appalling. And we, here's the thing: we we haven't, other than like one pass to McGrew and one pass to Cam Davis in the last game, I haven't seen them trying to throw to the backs. No, other only to McGrew on that early. Uh, right. They, they had three guys, I think, all to the right. They they uh, pulled all of the Cal's defense and left an open field for McGrew. I only think he got like seven or nine yards on the play, but they basically cleared out the whole right side of the field for McGrew on that one play. But the thing of it is, right, they got to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. And, you know, they relied way too heavily on Newton uh, early on, right, as opposed to attempting to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. Now, granted, they have Udunze back and then McMillan back, who are guys that need to see the ball um, because they have, you know, explosive playability. 
Um, that that's the key for this offense is ensuring they're not wasting plays on yeah. a guy that's going to get you two yards. Yeah, and if you look at the stats, like Airwolf was tweeting some stats. Like if you look at our third down stats, like we're averaging, I think on like third and four or longer, we're averaging like three point three yards per rush, but over eight yards per pass. So statistically, and that's just this year. I mean, you go back to last year. I mean, we, we were actually pretty good on third down throwing. And yeah, I mean, it, if if there is some optimism, it should be that we've only been in this new offense for a couple weeks. It should continue to get better. But Jimmy, they got to, you know, I know you agree because you said this, but the offensive line has to figure it out. Like they have way too much talent to be this shitty. And Dylan Morris has got to get better because the receipt, I mean, the tight ends and the receivers, they're really good. That's the strength of the team. We should be, we should be pushing the ball downfield and we have a good enough defense where we can take chances where an interception or two shouldn't be that big of a deal. Again, why we were bullish on this season now we had our concerns namely john don but when you look at all the pieces and you look at the level of talent that they recruited on the line all of those things should have led to a functional offense that was very capable of putting up at least 30 points a game there there was no reason why that shouldn't have happened based on how they're building this team. And then we just saw two yards in a cloud of dust out of it. Right. And then you're just like, what, what did we, what are we watching? What, what, what did Jimmy Lake say about this team leading up to this season? Like none of it was coming. You know, that's what put such a damper on it early is that everything that we were expecting was just absolutely not being seen whatsoever on the field and right and it's going to come down to somehow getting this offensive line to you know play at their potential where they should be dominating the defensive line dominating up front and and creating lanes for the run game and then even making this passing game even more dangerous you know, when you can obviously do both really well, you're going to get put the defense in a very difficult position. You know, that's the whole concept of balanced offense. So Don James, like, talked about the balanced offense. And, uh, you know, it works. Yeah, use the pass to set up the run. Yes. I mean, that's where we are. And we ha- we have guys that can hurt you on the outside. We have very capable tight ends, clearly, at this point. Now, do we know if uh, Otten will be returning on Saturday? It's COVID protocol, and I think they said it's doubtful. Which, that hurts, but here, here's the guy I'm, I'm most concerned about that I don't know we're going to get back, McDuffie. Well, I, I that's obviously tough, but, I mean, boy, <laughs> Kyler Gordon had one hell of a game. And I think we're go- we're going to get Bookie back. That's huge. I mean, obviously Powell was out there. How do you th- uh, how do you think Bookie played? Because it's hard for me to tell in the stadium. 
Oh, I think he played good. I think he's really good. I think he's one. Of, I think he's the heart of that defense. I think he's good. I think he's a really good football player. Yeah, I would just feel a lot better if we had McDuffie out there because I oh, mean, sure. you have. I mean, that's three corners who are really good. But you know what, Chess? We we know what Oregon State's going to do. We we know what their game plan will be offensively. They're going to run down our throat yeah now how did we do against the run against cal i mean how how was your your take on uh run run defense they ran the ball pretty well i don't know the stats but it seemed like we were do we were doing pretty good until the second half when garbers had quite a few scrambles yeah i mean i i Oregon State, I think, is going to have plenty of success running the ball. Yeah, that guy B.J. Baylor is a really good back. I mean, they lose Jamar Jefferson, and this guy B.J. Baylor is a—he's a good running back. Yeah, I, you know, there, and, there's a lot of things that concern me about this game. And their quarterback, watching their quarterback in these highlights. And by the way, I think I'm not sure, but I think. When they lost to Purdue, which I think was the first game of the season, I think this quarterback didn't play the whole game. Because according to Petros, I heard him say, going into this last game, he said, you know, that Oregon State, like they were a different team when they put in Chance Nolan, who's their quarterback now. And just watching some of the highlights on this guy, like he's like deceptively good. Like you don't think he's good. But like he's an accurate passer, he makes good decisions. It, it, nothing like really stands out about him, but it's just he, he's just like a good quarterback. He, he he's not making stupid throws. He, he he's good at he, he moves like just well enough. And yeah, I mean they ran. Uh, yeah, they ran all over USC, much like Stanford did. And yeah, that that matchup. And also they they used the run to set up the pass. Like they had a lot of passes to the tight ends who were just wide open. So they were just I mean, they were killing USC. And I don't I don't even know like if they punted, they probably only had one punt. Because they scored forty five points. They had thirty five points like with like ten minutes to go in the second half. And in well, the first half they threw an interception when they had first and goal. So they, I mean, that, they piled up a shit ton of yards and that game was not close whatsoever. And that's their first win in the Coliseum in what, 60 years? Yeah, I'm surprised. I thought they had a win under uh, Dennis Erickson, but uh, I guess not. Maybe that was it. Maybe they missed him that year or they played. Probably, yeah. I, I mean,. But they look, certainly should have some confidence, right? Yeah, they're they're gonna have a like look. I'm looking at these stats, just simple Pac-12 stats. I mean, they're pretty they're pretty good in all the stats. Um, let's see, yards per play. I think they're fourth in the conference, sixth in total yards. Rush defense. It looks like they're second. Uh, yards per pass attempt. They're fifth. Passer rating third. I think that's defensive stats. 
Let's see what else. So according to teamrankings.com, we're number 37. They're 44 uh, with a strength of schedule 51. Our strength of schedule is 44. There's nothing that, and, and if you watch them in their defense, I mean, I think their corners are decent. Their linebackers are really good. They have three good linebackers and they're just playing really well and they're really well coached. And I, I think our biggest, and if you look at the betting line, it started out as minus four. We were favored by four points. Mm-hmm. And as of yesterday, they were favored by 2.5. So the line, all this money has come in on Oregon State, and it's pushed the line by a touchdown. Oh, wow. And I just, I you know, I think for us, it's going to be a tough game, and but, you know, if we play a good game and they have a letdown, it's possible we win. I think that's one of our biggest hopes is well, they're they're, they, they just had a massive, huge win. They're going to be jacked up. Their crowd's going to be jacked up. Will they be able to sustain that, you know, and have a clean performance? Given the way the Pac-12 is, it wouldn't be a surprise to see them come back home and just lay an egg and we win the game. But at the same time it wouldn't be a surprise to see them play a really good game and they beat us by 10 or 14 points. Well, they're going to remember last year, right? I mean, they they probably felt like, you know, they should have won the game. So they're, they're going to have a little bit of that, uh, you know, playing for them. Like, how much does that really impact the game? Who knows? But I think they're going to have some lift. I don't think they're going to have a letdown after beating USC, but it's certainly possible, right? Um, UW's a little downtrodden. Blah blah blah. You know, they might. Uh, they. I don't think they're going to ease up, but yeah, they could have a slight letdown that could help us. Um, but you know, our concerns lie within our our coaching staff and having faith that they're going to be able to. Get get the job done with this with this game and that's my biggest concerns I, I mean right now who would you take as a head coach right now Jonathan Smith or Jimmy Lake obviously our boy Jay Smitty I mean you know he's, he's done a really good job he has I mean you can't argue what he's done at that Oregon State Program. I mean, I they mean, they they had close. They had very close losses last year. I mean, that is not a place of a winning culture or a huge like football community where they've had great success. Like they've obviously had a few good years, but overarchingly, I mean, it's been a shit program. Yeah, um, but he's bringing in talent. Yeah, from the transfer he's portal. Like, he's hitting it hard. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard. And, and, you know, I, I'll be frank. I, I feel a little bad of all the shit talking I did over Jonathan Smith all those years as our OC when it was probably Pete hamstringing him for a lot of those times. Okay. But, think, and, think about, think about this just in recent years, it, Pete's last several years. We had Jonathan Smith as an offensive coordinator. We had yeah. Jacob Eason, who's an NFL quarterback now. He's playing in the NFL. And we had Jake Hayner as a ba- you know a backup before he transferred. Right. I mean, yeah. we had all those guys, and 
and Chris Peterson as well, and somehow still had a complete underperforming offense. Well, who was the OC, the wide receiver coach? Bush Hamden. Yeah, Hamden. Oh man. Ugh. Wait, so are you? Are you? But that it, it, there's a systemic rot there, and it's continued under Jimmy Lake. We got. We, we need to bring in some like Sage. And I don't Chris. know. Maybe it's Scott Huff. Who knows? I'm, like, I'm telling you, man. They need to get a shaman in there. They need to get some, uh, you know, get some bad juju out of the out of that administrative offices or the the locker room on the offensive side of the ball. Something's got to change. I mean, we have. I don't know how much college football you watch, Chess, but to watch our offense in comparison to a lot of other teams out there, it's. It's mind-blowing, truly. I keep coming back to it because it's just like you're just not going to be a contender if you can't have a really good offense. Uh, that's just the bottom line. You've got to have – you've got to invest in the offense. That's just the, that's just the name of the game right now. And it will be for, for, the, you know, for years to come. It's not going to change. Yeah, and I think the thing with defense is it's almost like I've seen some posts about this on very on Twitter and various message boards and I've talked to people about it. It's almost like given today's rules and the way the game is trending, it's almost better on defense to play more aggressive and try and play for turnovers at certain points. Like the defense that we've been playing, like, okay, we'll just make them convert, you know, 10, 12 play drives. We'll just make them do that because they're going to mess up and get a penalty at some point. The problem with having that right now is we our offense now is the opposite of that. Like it's a, it's a, you know, wide open passing offense where we're going to move faster. So then then we're so our defense should not be what it has been where it's going to get tired. You know that defense this Stanford I mean that defense only works if you have a good run game and you can control the ball like it's you know 1985 football. It just it did the, the philosophy that we have it's just it doesn't make any sense given the strength of the team. So, I, I, again, you know, it's a week-by-week week thing, right? right. We, we've got to see. But that's what my fear – I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. That, we, we've got to see, like, not not just, like, the the, the, the talent that you, you you talk about. And you see other players, like, popping uh, or, or showing, you know, that they're, they're getting better and they're making impact. But we also need to see that from, from the staff, that they're also yes. – uh, I don't have – I have little faith. I, I think this is still going to end badly uh, for Lake and crew, but I think what you said, the first step will probably be Jimmy's going to be given an ultimatum at some at some point. I mean, assuming that it just turns around entirely and, and they just start winning games. I mean, obviously that – winning games saves your job. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, you just mean like end badly this year or 
I think in a couple of years, I, as I said last week, I think, I think Jimmy's got two years. Um, unless, you know, Heward comes in and saves his ass. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of young talent on this team and it just can't be the leadership at UW, regardless of what happens this year, you just, it can't be wasted. You've, you've yeah. always pointed out when you have a generational talent at quarterback, we have young, you know, the offensive line is the most well-stocked position. Same thing with tight end and wide receiver. If Jimmy, if you're a good defensive coach, that should be enough with a million dollar offensive coordinator to have a contender next year. You would think, and, and, and you got and you got to you got to figure it out this year. Like you know, not going to a bowl is unacceptable. They will not go to a bowl this year. Where, where are their wins coming from? Let's uh, we'll discuss it on another pod. Okay. Well, I okay. I, yeah. You want to hammer out some questions? Questions or what? We gotta we gotta wrap this up. Okay. Um, what is visually more pleasing, deep ball to McMillan or Joy Taylor? Joy Taylor. She's uh, Colin Cowherd's co-host. She's oh. always wearing low cut outfits. Oh, yeah. She yeah. has big fake tits. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's for me, it's McMillan actually. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll second that McMillan. It's a thing of beauty, baby. Yeah, it's got to see more of it. Okay, this is kind of a long. How many fans don't go to UW games anymore because of UW AD and their decisions slash game day experience? A thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. We can't get fifty thousand people at stadium anymore unless it's a rival or big out of conference game. Oh, I think it's in the 10,000. I mean, think about all of the uh, all of the fans over the years that they've just uh, whittled away on in, respect, in regards to the time. Of, I mean, you remember all the calls about all the, you know, older guys, you know, not being yeah. able to play on their weekends. The old guard, yeah. You know, the old guard and, uh, you know, the whole parking fiasco in E1 is – is you know you know my gripes on that. I, I think it's been the parking Nazis. Yeah, I mean there there's been so many things that UW has done to be so off-putting, where you ask people to spend so much money and time, and you just frankly treat them like shit. You're gonna lose fans. Yeah. And look, the the TV experience is a good one. You don't have to deal with traffic. These flat screens, you get, you know, 50, 60 inch flat screens for 500 bucks. Uh, you know, you, the, the, the beer in the fridge is a couple steps away. Um, you know, granted, it's not like the energy of the crowd and all those things, but the experiences also change, right? You can, you can create a pretty good situation at home for the game. You can have buddies over whatever. Um, yeah. You know, and you don't have to pay uh, 50 bucks for some average nachos. I think some people are pointing out against Arkansas State that like uh, that like a soft drink at the stadium was more expensive than some of the tickets <laughs> on Stub. So let me just, yeah, let me make some comments based on my experience. So I paid, so I bought my ticket off of StubHub 
Yes, I went by myself because nobody likes me anymore. Um, I sat about 17. Okay, I was in the second deck, 50-yard line, 17 rows up, $15 ticket. Wow. Now, I would probably rate the seating as like a, a maybe like a B plus. If I was five to 10 rows closer, I'd probably rate it an A minus or an A. I was a few seats higher, a few rows higher than I wanted to be. But nevertheless, it was still, you know, good enough seats. That is probably a $160 ticket if you're a season ticket holder. Well, so I got it at 10% of the price. Yeah, buy low, sell high. But, you know, I understand, you know, because as I'm getting a little older, I understand the complaining about the game times. You know, I, I, I parked, uh, you know, 30 minutes away, you know, walk to the gate. By the time I got to my car, it was 1130. Oh, yeah. And it was a 630 game. It wasn't like a 745 or 730 game. Right. And it was just, you know, I, I mean, I didn't get to bed at like a, a decent hour. And I, I mean, I understand that. But, you know, if it was a really, I mean, I, I said to you, like, it's a shame that this, it wasn't an afternoon game. It was like a perfect day for an afternoon game. And you know what? Twelve thirty or three thirty. Yeah. And that's it. Maybe you have one night game a year. But here's the thing: if the team was really good and there was great energy in the stadium, you wouldn't mind those issues. Like you wouldn't mind the later game times. You would still. I mean, you you know coming from out of town, if there was a great environment in the stadium you would probably say well you know i'm still gonna show up to like two or three games a year because i know the environment is really good and i don't want to miss that and i can put up with the other bullshit yeah you're gonna overlook all of the challenges to to make that effort to go to the game if you know like you know you're gonna you're gonna watch a competent team and you have a good you know, you have a high chance of winning the game. I mean, for all you uh, youngsters, if you're even listening, <laughs> I mean, back in the day, right? I mean, losing at home was a big deal. Right? The UW didn't lose at home very often. It was very rare. And, and the crowds, you just go back and you watch some of the old games of the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, those were amazing crowds. Those Those crowds do not exists on a consistent basis anymore and haven't even even in pete's hell of a run i mean the stanford game was phenomenal yeah no it's one i had it as one of the top five games ever right i you know you you talking about how you went to the game with your father that uh that gets me a little misty eyed <laughs> yeah man there's some sent that's sentimental for sure I mean, memories all of those things and just uh, it's just unfortunate now that that kind of a game, I mean, how many more of those are we going to see? Maybe one of those games like in the next five or seven years, if we're lucky. I, I mean, seriously, that, that, that's a hell of a you know point. Like, we don't have a consistent crowd and, and attendance like they did, you know, Fifteen years ago, even even when it was bad, even when we were in the doldrums, they still had good crowds. When it was like the 
the dark ages the the yeah remember the nevada loss like i that's that, <laughs> you that keep bringing one. you keep bringing that up where the where the one guy on their team had five or six sacks huh the one guy on their team had five or six sacks i mean that that was just like you know that was this dagger in the chest that Nevada loss and just thinking the, the the program was over losing to these middling programs just you know just made you want to puke now it's like you know well, shit. I, I, yeah. I that that was I think the game before that was UCLA and we were uh we were ahead 13 to 0 in the first half 16-7 at halftime and we ended up losing 46 to 16 was that at the Rose Bowl yeah I was there. Yeah, I was at that game too. Yeah, I, I'm trying to forget. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee. But anyway, um, yeah. So the question. Yeah. A lot yeah, of fans. Yeah, a lot of fans. And look, it's you know, I was talking to Dennis DeYoung about this, and. Look, a lot of people point to the challenges. Oh, there's a crack in now. Uh, you know, the Seattle's yeah. a city full of transplants. You know, the average white people aren't getting into UW anymore, which I agree with. Uh, but still, I mean, he thinks that we could have the best. If if the AD and we ran the game day experience properly, we would have the best environment in college football. And that it's just really sad how it's being so uh, just neglected. Yeah, and, and there's no signs that that's going to change. That's just the truth. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, even with these, like, late games, like, seriously, like, trudge, trudging your family to a 6.30 game. Against getting, Cal. Against, it's, the, the fifth best team in the North. <laughs> you're just like, you know what, I'm going to. I'll see you next week. You know, I'll see you in two weeks. I'll I'll see you for Oregon. I'll see you for the Apple Cup. I mean, you know, you'll get crowds for those games. I just wanted the game to end, like in the fourth quarter. Then it was like, oh shit, this is going to go into overtime. Yeah, no, seriously, that's that's the worst. Like, when you want the game just to end, because you're thinking like, shit, now I got to walk out of here and I got to drive home. You know, it's like, oh man. But you know, hey, that that's that's the reality of it right now. And it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Well, one upside was at halftime I was having uh, extreme stomach pains and uh you know, I have some digestive issues, so I was able to sit on the can for the entire halftime and handle that without anybody harassing me or banging on the stall. Well, there there's it, an article just just to be aware though that you know, uh, it came out of Japan that COVID. <laughs> you could get you could get rest, it off a toilet seat. <laughs> no restless anal syndrome. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a, an old Japanese man <laughs> complained of deep anal pain, and, and they and they contributed it to his diagnosis of COVID when he got out of the hospital. He, they call it. This is not a joke. I mean, this is an article from. It's not a fringe publication. So anyway, you know, be anyone out there if you got any deep anal pain, it, it could be COVID, among other things. 
<laughs> hey man, you brought up the the body humor. I was yeah. just adding to it. Uh, no, yeah, very good. Um, couple more questions, then let's hang up. What okay. what changes have to be made in order to get us playing like an elite team again? <sighs> Shit, I mean. <laughs> Do we really have to answer that question? Yes. Okay, well, you start. Okay, well, given given uh, what we have right now, I would say better coaching, better play, player development, better recruiting in the portal. Uh, we're going to have to get help in the secondary after we lose two or three corners this year. Um, we're going to need portal help a linebacker. Um, you need to bring in a real offensive guru. You just Jimmy made the point in today's college football. You just you can't win without an elite offense. So that that's how I would say how we can get this current roster playing like an elite team again. The only thing I would add to this, and there's no way I have this answer. Only the coaches do. If Sam Heward is ready to play now. And they believe he, you know, physically, mentally, they believe that he is the guy. You have to rip the bandaid off and start him now. I don't care about his redshirt season, any of that stuff. If you want to preserve it, then play him the last three games, whatever. But if he's that good, you play him now, you have him for two years, you make a run. If he goes early, he stays icing on the cake. But if you think that Heward can play right now and he's your best chance to win moving forward, in my opinion, you start him as soon as possible. Yeah. Can't disagree I'm, with that. that. I mean, that's just the truth. If you, if you want to play at elite level, you got to play your best players. And Morris seems like a fine quarterback. Like he said, does he have to be elite for this team to win? Probably not. But, I mean, if you have a generational talent quarterback, and he is ready to go, in all, in, you know, m- mostly ready, right? You're never going to be truly ready, especially at his stage of his career. But if you feel like he gives you your best chance in the future to play at elite level, then I think you're wasting his talent having him on the bench. Um. Okay, next question. Why do Adidas football jerseys fit like twisted shrink wrap? I don't really know what that means. Uh, you know, that's just... Uh, I, it must be the material. I, I don't know. Okay, a couple more questions but before I forget. I do have to do my marketing faux pas or fail of the week. So at the game, they gave out these little flags... I don't know what it was. Uh, it, it was not even, I, they were supposed to be towels, I think, but it was, they were just like, it was almost like a sheet of paper it was printed on. They were purple for people to wave around or show during the game. And what did they say on it? Well, they didn't say the greatest setting, so that was good. But they said, back where we belong, the return. Like, <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? Okay, how about bow down or just put a big W on it or go dogs, purple rain, whatever. Any of those would have been way better than back where we belong, the return. I mean, nobody, 
That's just if that in a branding class, that's an F. That's a total failure. Terrible. I mean, I'm trying to be a nicer person. I'm trying to be less critical. You keep saying that, but you're having a tough time doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, like coaching football. It's really hard. <clears throat> well, football's a brutal sport. I mean, you look at all levels of media. I mean, they, they'll trash and dunk on anybody. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. Any truth to the rumor that John Don isn't calling plays? Uh, no idea. I doubt it. I, I'm, I believe he's calling the plays. Another one, why is John Don still employed? Well, we've kind of been through this, but I mean, I think obviously Jimmy's made a commitment to him. And, you know, if you're on the other side of the coin, he's, he's only coached in what, six games or, right, seven games? Well, yeah, seven games. So there's probably an element of giving, letting him have the opportunity. I don't know the specifics of his contract, what it would cost him if they did fire him. Who are you going to replace him with? I mean, to me, you don't worry about all those things. You just make the decision if it needs to be made, and then you, you figure it out from there. Um, you what if it all the day long, you're just going to be waffling. So I think right now they're just committed to him. I don't think he's going to get fired this year. I think it'll be at the end of the season. Or, I don't think he'll be fired during the season. I think he'll probably end up being let go at the end. Yeah, unless it's like he gets fired with like a couple games to go. I mean, if it's just if it's so obvious and it continues and it's just pitiful, you have no choice. But I, I think obviously they put up 52 against Arkansas State, which apparently means something. Uh, they did beat Cal, and uh, obviously they had a good first half offensively. Um, but you know, if it just doesn't appear to be progressing, I think it's an easy decision, but who knows? I mean, Hopkins should be fired and, you know, Cohen doesn't want, doesn't want to fire him. One more. Why is our run defense so porous and what can we do to improve? I mean, part of it's scheme. Part of it is uh, our lack of talent uh, at linebacker. I mean, we don't have an overwhelmingly strong position group at linebacker. I think it's, you know, with Hammer, it's getting better. You know, Focio's good. Uh, But they have problems um, with scheme and and talent, I I think. I think Thule's getting better. you know he's got to get he's got to continue to improve though. Yeah, Tuatelli's getting better as well. Yeah, um, but it's got to it's got to it's got to show up sooner than later. I mean, these guys have been in the program now for a little while. Yeah, but I don't think those. I mean, Greg Gaines. Remember when he was a senior, he was the uh, Morris Trophy winner. So when he was a senior, the offensive yeah. lineman in the league voted him as the best defensive lineman. But you know, and even game, and even in 2018, there were even that season, there were teams that could run on us. True. Um. So, yeah, I just the scheme part. I don't quite understand this, but to maybe explain it in a more simple fashion. 
Well, like, you, you, you don't have you, the defensive tackles we have. They're not like Vita Vea and Greg Gaines right. where they could handle double teams. Right. You know, they can block the the guys we have. They don't have to be double teamed. Yeah, so no, then no. that that then that makes you more reliant on linebackers and safeties. And um, you know, our as you said, it's okay. It's not great. Our safety position has not you know has not been. Obviously, Buddha Baker was a. Taylor Rapp. Yeah, I mean, those even guys, Miles Bryant was decent. Yeah, I mean, even he played in the NFL. I mean, Rapp's, yeah. is, you know, plays for the Rams, and obviously Baker's like the highest paid safety in the NFL. I don't now. know what's going on with Don Hampton. I mean, he killed a guy on special teams. I mean, he almost killed a guy on special teams this week. So I don't know why he's not playing. I mean, Cam Williams, he had the play of the game. He did. He's, he's another. Not like, he, he's he, not an imposing safety. Yeah. But he's not, I think he was hurt last year. Like he remember he he played a lot in 2019. Didn't play much last year because well, he, he was, started as a true freshman. Yeah, and and so he's another guy. I think quietly you could see him get better week to week. But yeah, it's yeah we don't have the safeties we had. We don't and we don't. Yeah, I mean the the talent level is less than what it was, and we just we need guys to get better, and we need a I guess probably a better scheme to. I mean, you look at the 2016 defense. I mean, you had. He had a lot of really good football players on that roster. I wonder if the 2000 – do you think the 2016 defense, um, how does that compare to the 91 defense? Oh, I mean – Or even, the, mean, even the, the 84 defense. I'd have to – Yeah, look at the numbers, but, I man, I, that 90 defense was just – You mean 90 or 91? A 91. The 91 defense was – you know, I mean – I'd take that defense any day of the week over 16. Right. I mean, I'd have to look at how many points the 16D or what the yards per play. You know, some of the advanced metrics to compare. Yeah, obviously the 91 is the best. But the 16 defense, I mean, that was pretty fucking good. (laughs) I mean, that that was pretty good. Losing Mathis, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that was even that game against Alabama when we were without Mathis and Azeem. That defense was fucking balling, or yeah, ball, balling. I guess that's how you're supposed to say it. But I'm a white guy, so I don't know. <laughs> no, but they, they were fucking balling against Alabama. They they were ready that game. That's the lowest output Alabama's offense has had throughout, you know, all their playoff national championship games. I mean, they had that one big run they gave up to Scarborough. Yeah, that was basically, and they had, yeah, and they played. They had another drive, I think, in the to tie the game in the first quarter, where they kind of bullied us with Scarborough. But that was basically it. Yeah. They only anyway. Yeah. Any more questions? Is that it? Uh, that's it. But uh, you know, we got to close with a prediction. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Since there's no roadie tonight, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll start us off. Um, I think I, I'm going to go again with a loss for Washington. I think they're going to lose. I think they're going to lose 31 to 23. 31-23, Biebs. Well, good pick. Any any color you want to add to that? 
No, I, I just think Oregon State, the, the, the stars are aligning for them to win this game. It's They're due. I think uh, their run game is going to be is going to be a big challenge for us, and I think I think Morris is going to struggle on the road. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, those are those are my that's my color. Yeah, I think Morris is going to struggle on the road, and I think not having it looks like we're not going to have. Uh, Otten, and I'm going to guess McDuffie as well. And I just, I think missing those guys, um, I just think it's going to be difficult. You're missing those guys. You're going on the road. Those are leaders. Morris is kind of shaky. It's not a good recipe for us. Agreed. But there's a lot on the table because, you know, we have a bye after this game. If they can somehow get a victory, you're going to be 2-0 and with a bye week. And you're going to be feeling pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I think internally, too, you're going to feel a lot better than you did the first two weeks. That's for sure. You have some things to build on. You're 2-0 and in the conference. It's kind of a fresh start in a way, right, if you get that bye week. You kind of just get to put everything behind you and and focus on what's ahead, game by game, and you and you have some momentum in your pocket, and you and you iron out some of these wrinkles, and you know you start committing to playmakers, especially at the run position, at the running back position, and uh, you know see you know see where the chips fall. Yes. Did I get my score prediction yet? I think no, I, you didn't. Oh, I forgot. I just forgot what I said. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be a tough game, just because. Yeah, I. I think Morris is going to be kind of shaky, and I think missing. McDuffie, and Kate Otten. I just think from a leadership standpoint, and also from a talent standpoint, it's it's tougher to overcome that on the road. And for those reasons, I'm going to say um, I'm going to go with Oregon State 30 to 20. Yeah, well, we're in the same we're we're we've, we're right on the same page, pal. Well, let's hope we're uh, off on this one. Yeah, well, hey, we'll be happy to be wrong. Happy to be wrong. Dogs, prove us wrong. Get it done. Time to be road warriors. Road warriors. Get your mind right. John Don, get your shit together. If you're thinking of calling a run play, don't. (laughs) Well, if you do... Make sure you do it with the right running back. I'm telling you, man, someone made a phone call. Don't play Dick Newton. <laughs> what what what's the percentage chance that Dick Newton is going to be starting running back this game? Uh, I think it's like fifty fifty. Yeah, I think that's 
reasonable. I think that's probably about right. You can go either way. All right. All right. We got to shut her down. Yeah, bedtime for us. Yeah. All right. Go dogs. Thanks, everybody. Go dogs. Peace.